0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, we're going to start chapter 20 today. And last time we covered, we saw uh, a vision of the end, what's going to happen afterwards, and the supper of the Lamb. And we saw the first time in the Bible it was mentioned that uh, the woman uh, of the Lamb, the you know, the wife of the Lamb, we said, you know, in the New Testament, we're talking about the engagement, and St. Paul is, you know, saying that you know I'm getting you as a uh, engaged to the Lord, and then we we'll also discuss about uh, the various uh, mentions in the in the Scripture about us being uh, married to the Lord. But this is the first time after basically the union of the Church and the Lamb, uh, we see that this is actually uh, the woman. Of the Lamb, not just the bride, and we related that to the previous mentions of the wedding, especially the parable of the of the banquet, and how does this, you know, the same story is repeated again, but you know, it was different details. So we start chapter 20, and not, you know, I'm gonna let's just read it quickly. I'll just speak just quickly and then, you know, we'll go in and uh, zoom in. glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Let's go back and take this one at a time. Uh, And let's deal with the whole topic of the millennium reign as one big topic. Uh, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. Uh, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. If we go back to Revelation 118 we see that the Lord is saying about Himself I am the first and the last that's the last part of you know, verse 17 and then and the living one and I became dead and behold I am alive forever and ever. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. So here the Lord you know, Jesus saying, I have the keys of hell and death. And when we read in uh, verse chapter 20, verse 1, saying uh, the angel who has, you know, the key of the abyss, that indicates the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is this big chain? And how big that chain that will tie the devil? This is not a physical chain, of course. It's a spiritual chain. And uh, what tied the devil was... The cross, as we're going to see um, in a little bit about the millennium reign, uh, we'll get the verses that describes what happened at the cross. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. This particular verse confused a lot of people and created a big issue in the Christian world today. I have a poster here that describes different ways of how people see this millennium reign. Uh, That tells you, it's it's a very big issue. And unfortunately, it's controlling a lot of the events, political events, uh, and otherwise. So let's see what it talks about. So the verse is again... uh, Revelation chapter 20 verses 2 and 3 And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And he cast him into the abyss and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more until the, the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little time. Well, there are several opinions about 1000 years and some believe it to be literal and some believe it to be uh, spiritual. Some think of it as going to be an actual reign of the Lord here on earth where the devil is going to be bound and everybody is going to be living happy and enjoying and the lamb is you know grazing with the lion and the child is playing with the snake and all these things that we heard about in Isaiah before. If you look at it in too deep, there are four opinions about the millennium rate, four different opinions. Amillennial, amillennialism, uh, historic pre-millennialism, dispensational pre and post-millennialism. All of them end up with ism, so <laughs> makes it confusing. Uh, in reality it's uh, here, let's describe each one of them and then we're going to describe what our church believes in and what makes sense and what is the danger of some of the other beliefs amillennialism this basically what they're saying is that the millennium symbolizes the time from the Lord was crucified until his second coming Uh, they don't believe in physical or earthly reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, they believe that the Lord came once, incarnated, and you know became man and was crucified, and was you know ascended into heaven, and He's going to come again, and His final the second coming is the final coming that's going to include judgment, and He's gonna, the world is going to end in that time. So there are key things that we need to think about when we talk about the millennium reign. First, when is the Lord going to come? What's going to happen? When? Tribulations. And all these, you know, the vials, the, all these things that we read in the book of Revelation, Armageddon, all these things. Where, when they are going to happen? Are they going to happen when the church is here on earth or not? Okay. And so we said the, when the Lord is going to come again, the tribulation... And where is the church going to be during the tribulation? Is the church going to be... Like, for example, when we talk about the vials, and, you know, uh, an angel, you know, throwing a vial, and a third of the world, you know, actually, everybody gets, you know, diseases and so on. Uh, Is that going to be on everyone? Is the church going to be around at that time? Or the church is going to be... Or the believers are not going to be here anymore, and that's only going to happen on the the sinners while the believers are gone so these are the main issues that we need to distinguish between each concept or each understanding of the millennium so the emillennialism Lord is coming again once that's the final coming the world is becoming evil gradually becoming evil until uh, and tribulation is going to come on the world and the church is going to be living in the world God is going to protect his children Oh yeah, you missed a couple of the fun uh, <laughs> discussions, a couple of fun chapters, uh, can go back and address that. So things are going to become a lot harder, uh, and the Antichrist and so on, uh, and the sign of the beast, all these things, while the church is here on earth. And then uh, the Lord is going to come and ends everything with the breath of his mouth, and we're going to start a new beginning in heaven. That's, that was one called a millennium, and that's important. Then the second one is historic pre-millennium. That started, you know, at, after the apostles, when the Jewish started coming into Christianity, and some of the uh, those who you know, remained to be Jews start you know, teasing the Christians, is this the Christ you believe in? He came and uh, he was a carpenter, and look at what he's leaving you. You're being persecuted by everybody, by the Jews, by the Romans, by everybody. So the naive Christians, you tell them, no, he's going to come back again and we're going to reign on earth for a thousand years before the end of the world. So they also agree that the society is going to become increasingly evil. Uh, great tribulation is going to take place on earth. But then, and their church is going to be on earth, but then the Lord is going to come. To end the tribulation, he's going to rule on earth for a thousand years and then takes everybody to heaven and live in heaven forever. So, they're close to the millennium, but they give God, you know, an opportunity to reign here on earth for a thousand years where everybody eats milk and honey, you know, the mountains are flowing milk and honey, the grapes grow to be, you know, the one is the biggest, you know, bigger than a watermelon and all these big nice things. That's one the third one dispensational premillennialism. Uh, the dispensational concept we're going to discuss about that later on but they basically believe that the Jews will be treated in a favorite way until the end all the other concepts believe that the Jews were special until the Lord came and when they rejected Christ and when they said you know Caesar is our king and rejected Christ, who have no other king but Caesar, they were thrown away, and the church became the inheritor of all the promises were given to Jewish nation. So we became the new Israel. What these dispensational premillennialism think of, the society is going to go increasingly evil. Now here, the, the fun starts. Um, I, think I did something wrong. From my cheat sheet, the the rapture. I forgot to mention the rapture. They're there going to be a rapture. Hmm. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. This is here. God takes away the saints up to heaven rapture them all the way to heaven so the tribulation that's going to happen here on earth is not going to affect the believers and this particular concept is very widespread in our society today here in the United States that you hear a lot of movies you know, a lot of uh, TV series in the Christian channels, a lot of books about the left behind There's very famous series especially for young kids the left behind series actually there are movies I think there's a movie that was supposed to be coming out or there are books about the left behind this left behind concept talks about that the Christ is going to come on the clouds and the rapture of the saints the, all the saintly people are going to go to reign with him on the clouds only the evil people and not so good people are going to remain on earth the tribulations that we heard about in the book of Revelation are going to take place here on earth and then Christ is going to come again to reign for a thousand years. And then there's two different opinions afterwards. One opinion says that because we read in the verse that he's going to tie the devil for a thousand years and then we let him loose, so one opinion says that the Lord is going to again leave the saints up to have, you know go up to heaven, and then Satan is going to be let loose for a little period so they fight against the evil ones and so on and then he's going to come again uh, fourth time to end the world so premillennialism talk about a rapture coming for the Lord second coming for the Lord for the rapture of the saints third coming to rule on earth for a thousand years and then some of them you know believe that there is a fourth coming to you know to end the world and you know start the new Jerusalem and the new
1: uh,
0: life in heaven. They still believe that the Jews will be treated favourably by God until the end. So that's the variation we talked about. Uh, the devil will be you know, the variation of them, the devil will be let loose, after the Lord ascends again, after the thousand years the Lord ascends, the devil will be let loose, the final battle takes place, and then less coming in eternity. Post-millennialism, and this is a totally different idea. It believes that the world is going to become increasingly good with the widespread of Christian beliefs like democracy, like you know, equal treatment, peace, love, and all these nice ideas. They're going to spread in the world, conquer the world. Uh, Christ is going to rule over the nations by the spread of the Christian behaviors. And then the millennium reign is going to start by basically Christ ro- ruling through the church and ruling through the Holy Spirit, through the church. And then He will come at the end to end the world, and we go all good to heaven. Okay? Think our president today, Bush, is a post-millennialism. He believes in post-millennialism. He is dispensational post millennialism Millennialism. I think that's what he believes in. So he believes that the word, you know, that's why he's so much, you know, for spreading peace and democracy and so on, because he believes that's how he's helping, you know, bring in the millennium reign here on earth. Right. So let's understand the scripture, what it says about the millennium reign.
1: So
0: this is what I didn't tell you which one we believe yet. We said there are four, right? A millennialism a millennialism, uh, historic pre dispensational premillennialism, and uh post-millennialism. So where is God's kingdom? Where is Christ's kingdom? Uh, in John eighteen thirty six Jesus answered uh, Pilate when he was uh, being persecuted onto Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight so that I might not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. So if Christ is saying publicly and until the last you <coughs> know, breath that my kingdom is not from here, why would he come again and reign here on earth? He would have said my kingdom is, is not now. Right? If he was going to reign on earth for a thousand years, he could have said, yeah, my kingdom is not now. I'm just going to come later on and, you know, rule over everybody for a thousand years. But he said, my kingdom is not from here. And John 15, 19, if you were of the word, the word would ha- love his own. But because you are not of the word, but I have chosen you out of the word, therefore the word hates you. So we're not from the word. So if we're not from the word, we're we going to come and stay and enjoy the word later on. how about the love of the Lord? because what are we going to do for those thousand years we're going to eat drink uh, you know build buildings build cities enjoy you know life you know and all this so what's going to happen to those people who died are all the righteous going to come back and live on earth for a thousand years all those who died from Adam's time until you know that time whatever the millennium is going to happen all these people are going to resurrect again and live how are they going to live now, I'm talk, you know, we're trying to argue this concept of, you know, millennium reign. So, how are they going to live? Different cultures, different, you know, not just different cultures, you know. The, people are going to be talking internet and people are prehistoric, don't even know how to, to write their names. And How is that going to all mix together? How are we going to live together in one nice, uniform you know, harmony? How, what, what kind of languages are they going to speak? It doesn't make sense. And besides... If that's the case, why is the church teaching us to fast, teaching us, you know, and, you know, St. Paul is telling us to stay, you know, celibate, all these things. If we're going to have fun and eat and drink later on. So why would we torture ourselves right now and then change our habits later on? And let's see what the Bible says about that. Do not love the Word, nor the things in the Word. If anyone loves the Word, the love of the Father is not in him. Because all that is in the Word, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the Word. So what's going to happen to all this? If all that's in the Word is the lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh. So all of the son is not going to be bad? So some of these things really doesn't fit the concept of the Christianity. I mean, if you go back to the seven churches that we studied at the beginning of the book of Revelation, Which one of those churches God promised them a reward that will reign with Him during the millennium reign? He will give them a nice piece of land. He will give them a bigger property. He will, you know, make them uh, rulers or, you know, give them some kind of authority. Was there anything like that in all God's promises? No. So when was the devil bound? What do we believe that when the devil was bound? Crucifixion. At crucifixion. And let's read a lot of the, a lot of the verses that talks about the the devil has been crucified from the time of Christ and his crucifixion. Now is the judgment of this word. Now shall the prince of this word be cast out. Before that, the devil was roaming freely in the world, doing whatever he, you know he wants, and. Uh, Idol worship was there. You know, people were committing adultery in the sake of you know, uh, worshiping idols and all that. A lot, you know, majority of these things have been gone. They're coming back now, but in, for the last 2,000 years they were gone. Uh, John 12:32, and if I, if I am not lifted up from the earth, I will draw. So, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. He was talking. But he said this, you know, signifying what kind of death he was about to die. So when, you know, he's saying, you know, Christ was saying, "I'm going to be lifted up, be lifted on the cross. I will uh, draw all to myself." He was talking about the cross. So, you know, again, Gospel Saint John, uh, chapter sixteen, verse eleven, concerning judgment because of the ruler of this world. Is judged. When somebody's going in free, he's not judged. But when you know when he's judged and found guilty and he's locked up, that's when he is uh, judged. In uh, Colossians 2:15, having stripped rulers and authorities, he made a show of them publicly, triumphing over them in it. And so again, talk about triumph. And the more most important one and gives us a key understanding here, in Matthew twelve, twenty nine he says the Lord also says, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless first he binds the strong one and then he will plunder his house. So what are the plunder of the devil? What are the you know the goods that the devil took away? The souls of the saints, right? So the Lord tied him up first, and then took the souls of the saints. You know, this is uh, probably how can we understand that. So the devil is bound. Another one in Luke 10:18 uh, and 19, uh, and he said to them, "I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning." Now this is another important one. Behold, I give you, I give to you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the authority of the enemy. Nothing shall be, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So now we have the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and every power of the devil. Does that mean that the devil is free? Could we have had that authority if the devil was free? Of course not. One question
1: about um, verse. Okay. Satan as an angel falling down from heaven
0: or is that uh, I think the I think fathers have interpreted that again in relationship to the millennium reign okay. Okay. this is when the devil was bound down okay, into the abyss is that, is
1: that verse from Isaiah
0: no this is Luke Luke did
1: quote Isaiah isn't there like a verse of Isaiah speaking about the angel falling down
0: that's, no that's different That's okay. not, that's not that, that, this is the Lord was you know saying that it was not quoting anyone. The Lord was saying that. Okay? this is when the disciples went out, you know, came back and you know told him, you know, cast, you know, we were happy, we we're casting out demons and so on, and he said, you know, I saw the devil uh, falling from heaven like lightning. Okay? That was the end of sort of you know the free reign of the devil. So what is our church believe in? We are an amillennialism church. We do not believe in multiple comings of Christ. There's only going to be one more coming for Christ, and that's going to be the end. We believe that the millennium reign is from the time of the cross until His second coming, because as we said, the cross—this is the time when the devil was tied down and he lost his authority, and we now we have, excuse me, we have the authority over the devil. So we are in the thousand-year reign right now. The number thousand. Just represents a complete number. Represents greatness. Represents you know the day of the Lord. Don't forget, Saint Peter said the day of the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. He didn't mean, you know he didn't say that so we can have an equation and say okay one day is equal to a thousand and so on. No, it's like the fullness of time to the Lord is like one day. All the years of the world is like one day for the Lord. Right. So we still believe we are in the millennium reign of Christ. You and I have the authority to conquer the devil by prayer. If we stand up and pray, we have the authority to trample on the devil. So, the, the post-millennialism, post uh, and specifically the one that talks about the rapture and so on, that's influenced tremendously by the Jewish People and that is, you know, because basically, the, you know, especially dispensational, dispensational pre-millennial, uh, post millennialism they talk about that when Christ is going to come and rule, he's going to rule in Jerusalem in particular, and the Jewish people are going to be his most favorite, and they're going to rule with him, and they're going to be the Christians. So it's mainly it's a Jewish idea ported to the church. Uh, the this. Idea of the millennium reign is, you know, very deceiving. And even some of the church fathers, like St. Augustine, for example, he started believing in that. But then, when he discovered the problem with that thinking, he turned against him, and he, you know, anathemed anyone who would believe in such thing, and you know, and opposed that. So how was Satan bound? How, would, how do we think right now despite all what's going on is, you know around us that Satan is bound if you compare the world before Christ and you compare the world after Christ when St. Paul for example goes to a city like Corinthians and preaches Christianity and when Corinthians had a lot of temples and these temples were you know full of bad stuff and you know people committing adultery and all that in the you know, name of worship and he talks to them instead of about Hercules, about you know Zeus and about strong gods he talks to them about a the God, you know, a God who was a carpenter, and he was he died crucified. And still, that city turns around, leaves idol worship, leaves all these bad things, and become Christian. That tells, shows you the power of the of the church, power of God against the power of Satan. In the old days, no matter how God, you know, was giving his people. They, they, they always wander out. God would, you know, send them, you know, prophets send them, you know, uh, signs and everything. They wander out. They saw him getting, getting them out from the land of Egypt, splitting the sea, giving them water from the, the rock and everything, sending them food and drink, and they still did not believe that he can get them into the promised land. So Satan was very strong in the old days. These days were lucky. Satan is not as strong. That's why we're opening churches left and right and you know, the whole place is growing. So Satan is like a, a mad dog tied to a chain and if we come close to him, he's going to hurt us. If we stay away from him, he just barks at us. can only bark at us, can only tell us ideas, but he cannot force us to do anything. And he has no authority over us. So, what is the origin of dispensational premillennialism? This whole idea about the rapture and you know Christ coming back. As you saw in the three other concepts of premillennialism, uh, we have, or post millennialism, there was no rapture. The only concept when the rapture idea started being introduced and being taught formally is in the 1800s. John Ansel Darby, and from the founder of the uh, Plymouth Brothers, and Edward Irving, founder of the Catholic Apostolic Church, believed in this particular uh, idea. And that's in the 1800s, so it's not really apostolic or not really of the first few centuries. Others believe that uh, someone by the name of Margaret MacDonald, uh, she was charismatically inclined Scottish teenager, she supposedly received this new knowledge in a vision during her, you know, the spring of 1830. And then Darby and Irving copied that from her. And the interesting thing, Darby wrote that, uh, actually, uh, Scofield wrote that in the, as a footnote in the first English translation. And because it was a v- footnote, in the official translation the, con- the the text itself was okay but he wrote that as a footnote Start, people started copying that and started taking that as a dogma that's why it's very you know tricky when all these new Bibles are coming out with all footnotes and interpretations and everything and they put a lot of explanation of dogmas it's very tricky when you read these things you have to be very careful what the source of the dogma is is it true Christian believed, or is just somebody saw a vision, put it in there, and now it became everybody's repeating the same thing. This covers the millennium reign. Now, what is the problem with this particular, what is called heresy? The millennium reign heresy. That Christ is going to come and rule on earth for a thousand years. What is the problem there? And this is my own conclusion, so you can take this part and throw it away or think about it if you want to. We know two facts. Around us today, there are people who are waiting for an earthly reign of Jesus Christ here on earth. The other fact is we know there's an Antichrist who's going to come and declare himself to be the Son of God and actually God and rule here on earth as well could these two be one what happened if somebody you know showed up today he said I'm Christ that came to earth for a thousand years accompanied by miracles and lightnings and you know all this Show that we saw the devil is going to do anyway wouldn't all those uh, pre mill you know, dispensational, you know, pre people are going to follow him? Do you
1: have an idea like what percentage of people believe in that?
0: Or? In the States? It's large. Look at the popularity of the, you know, and even if people didn't believe it as a dogma, mm-hmm. when they go back and read these books about the rapture and so on, it sticks in here. So the new generation will have more people believing in the rapture, and believe it or not, we have people in our church also believe in the rapture and believe in the millennium reign in our Orthodox church, and we tell them this is not teaching our church. So, well, yeah, I know, but so what? Mm. Uh, some definitions. So, you know, when you speak these terms, people know that you're, you know, intellect and uh, educated, highly educated. You're benefiting from the Bible study you're attending. Dispensationalism. The belief that God operates under different set of rules at different periods throughout history. Uh, Specifically, it refers to the belief that the Jews are still God's chosen people and will be treated separately from the church during the end times. course it does not make sense again the Jews rejected Christ those who will believe from the Jews will be in immense blessings yes but if they don't believe in Christ how they can get into heaven we are going to see later on in the end of chapter 20 of the book of Revelation that says no one who is not written in the book of life will go to heaven And we said that your name is written in the book of life when you're baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. That's when our name is written up there in in the book of life. So how can anybody be going into heaven and did not believe in Christ? All right. Eschatology. That's the study of the end times. Of course, the millennium, a thousand years. Rapture, the bodily remover of the church usually associated with the tribulation period. Again, some people also are categorized are like pre, you know, raptures, pre tribulation or post tribulation. Now, a lot of the ideas, a lot of da'ak starts going on in these things, and we find a lot of people with different ideas and different things saying. Okay, so that's basically the millennium reign in after. Confusing enough? Alright. Let's go back to where we were and continue discussion. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys of the abyss and a great chain in his hand, and said, this is the Lord Jesus, and that happened on the cross. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Uh, Basically, like all Satan's attributes, the deceiver, the liar, uh, all these attributes are going to be bound for a thousand years. And again, we said the thousand is a period, we don't know how long, already been two thousand years, we're still in the thousand years, from the cross until the second coming. And he cast him into the abyss and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little time. So why would God loose the devil a little time at the end? Any ideas? Why do you think God would do that after he tied him up for a thousand years? Why would he lose him? Loose him? To see our to test our faith. Yes. Uh, not exactly well if we go back to psalm 19 in our book or psalm 20 and basically you will see that the Lord gives you according to your heart right? may he grant you according to your own heart and fulfill all your plans that's psalm you know 20 verse four psalm 19 verse four. So, in that psalm says, the Lord gives you according to your heart, what you desire. And This is one of the psalms, the first psalm in the third hour, the prayers of the third hour. So, if the, our desire is saintly life, God is going to give us that. If the desire of the people is evil and lust, what is God going to give them? What they're desiring? He can't force on them, or He doesn't force on people righteousness. It has to be their own winning. And if people desire evilness and desire Satan, he's going to give it to them. It's going to be a natural progress into the evolution of sin. You know, he gave us the opportunity to repent and live a, a spiritual life and a virtuous life with the devil tied up. But we're going to keep coming close to the devil and living with the devil inside his cage. So I live the, you know, that to meet the devil is, you know, let loose on us. Or let loose on these people. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And if you look at the last words of this verse, and they lived and drained with Christ a thousand years. And I saw, I'm sorry, and I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And uh, he w- uh, uh, said, the way we judge at the end is two ways, either because you know the will of the saints is going to be the same will of God so when they see the sinner person it's going to be the same will as God so they're going to do the same judgment as the Lord or the other thing if you know two people were in the same circumstances, take for example somebody like Daniel and the three young men and the other Jewish kid you know youth who were with him at that time. When they're going to say, God, we couldn't worship you because, you know, we were forced to eat this food, we were forced to do this, we were forced to do that. What's going to happen? The life of Daniel and the three young men is going to be a condemnation and judge for those who did not live a righteous life under the same circumstances. So if you're living a righteous life, (coughs) excuse me, and there's another person under the same circumstances, or even less circumstances, easier circumstances, and not living a righteous life, your life is going to be a judgment on that person. Not because you will issue this judgment, but just because of your acts and your, you, know, you, you being good, that's going to be a judgment for, on those people. Now let's look at this part. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded, and they lived and drained with Christ for a thousand years. So if I look at this part of the verse, I'm sorry, and I saw the souls of those, uh, and then the end, and they lived and drained with Christ a thousand years. So the souls lived and drained with Christ for a thousand years. So it's not the bodies that lived with Christ for a thousand years. So if Christ, is ruling on us and our souls and our spirits, we are already in the millennium reign. He's not going to be ruling over us a thousand years. So even the interpretation of the millennium reign is embedded here directly in verse 4. That the reign is spiritual reign that we will be with us, reigning with Him spiritually in our lives. Again, who had been beheaded, these are martyred for the witness of Jesus and uh, for the word of God. Again, we said physical martyrdom, of course, this is the, the highest level, but of course, the spiritual martyrdom as well, and offering ourselves as sacrifices and abstaining from sin, that's also a type of martyrdom. Had not worshipped the beast, nor his image, nor had received his mark on their foreheads, nor their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Wait a minute. First resurrection. And let's read the second, uh, the coming verse. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. The second death has no authority over these, but they will be priests of God and of Christ. And will reign with him for a thousand years. So there is a, a first resurrection, a second resurrection. There's no mention of first death, but you know there's a first death and second death. So what do these mean? All right. Let's let's go to the first resurrection and try to explain that. Let's go to John Gospel of St. John, chapter twenty twenty. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 25. John 25, I'm sorry, John 5, verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they who who here shall live. Mm -hmm. This is one statement. And then in 29, the Lord says something different. Let's put them here together so that you can see them. And shall come forth those who have done good... uh, Okay. I'm sorry. uh, Verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves. Look at the difference here. The hour is coming... Is when the dead shall hear his voice. Only the dead hear. The 28 says, All those who are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who have done good to the direction of the life and those who have per, uh, practiced evil to the direction re- of condemnation. So even the Lord here is talking about two different types of death, uh, resurrection one, which is the repentance, confession, and baptism which when we hear his voice, you know, as he said about the prodigal son, my son was dead and now is alive. So that's the first resurrection. Right? Repentance and uh, baptism. And the second resurrection is the final resurrection where we go to heaven with him and share him in his glory. Okay. So what is the first death? Sin. Life of sin is the first death. And the second death, that's it. No more repentance, no more opportunity. That's the final condemnation where people are going to go to the resurrection of condemnation. And this is where we're going to see the devil is being thrown to the second death. So we have the first death, which is sin. The first resurrection, which is Repentance, the second death, which is eternal condemnation, the second resurrection, which is eternal glory. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. All right. The rest of the dead, those who did not believe. Those who did not repent, those who enjoyed the word and enjoyed the lust of the world, did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. The second death has no authority over these. So if we live a life, life of repentance, we should not be afraid of the second coming. We should not be afraid of our death because the second death has no authority over us. But there will be priest of God and of Christ, and will reign with Him a thousand years. I think we talked about being priest in the spiritual meaning multiple times, and you know what kind of offerings we can offer. You know, the praise offering, our praises uh, as you know sacrifices, offering our uh, thoughts as sacrifices, offering our bodies as sacrifices. You know, multiple things. And when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. And this is what we talked about at the end days. And this is the three and a half years where he's going to be the, If we go back to chapter 12, uh, 12, with the vision of the woman and the vision of the beast coming, you know, dragon coming in after her, that's the. You know, he's going to be let loose to destroy the nations, basically. And he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number of them is as the sand of the sea. What is Gog and Magog? Right. Uh, if you go back, it's basically Gog and Magog is, you know, part of Russia, uh, close to Moscow, and close to these places. Some people like to tie this to Ezekiel 38, also there's a prophecy about Gog and Magog and you know that uh, Gog and Magog is going to line up with you know Libya, Ethiopia, and Yemen against Jerusalem and that's going to be an alliance between the Russians and the Arabs and you know how they're going to attack Israel and build a nice big story about it. Could that be really what's going to happen? Maybe, maybe not, we don't know. But in general, they, they represent, basically, Gog and his land Magog represents the Antichrist and the people who are going to follow him, or the place that's going to be following him. And this war can be a spiritual war, or can be a physical war, or can be both. Can be physical war, means actually going to be a big battle uh, between you know, the Antichrist, and you we know, talked about uh, Armageddon, Armageddon before and this can be an illusion you know, uh, alluding to Armageddon or we can be talking about uh, an actual war against the church perse- worldwide persecution against the church against all those who don't believe in the antichrist as being God right? or a spiritual war a strong spiritual war against the church it can be taken in any, any of these ways and the three of them can be correct not necessarily only one is correct and the others are wrong can we say, for example, in particular, that Russia is going to strike an alliance with Libya, Ethiopia, Yemen, and, you know, Iran, and, you know, hold the war against uh, Israel, or the Antichrist is going to be there, And you know, describe these events in details? We don't know. We can't say that. Some people say that, you know, there can also be, you know, people from the north or people from you know, the northeast, and that can be alluding to, you know, China, and, you know, the army that, ha- that no one can count is basically like the sand of the sea. That's the Chinese army. Again, you're going to find a lot of people saying a lot of stories. What is reality? We don't know. Could it be any of these things? Yeah. But does it mean that there's going to be war against the church? Definitely. Is there going to be a spiritual war against the church? Definitely. And you can see, for example, Da Vinci Code, first day, first weekend, 29 million. If you divide that, you know, $7 a ticket or $8 a ticket, that means what? 4 million people watch the movie in the first weekend? Isn't that too much for a heretic movie? People going in and, you know, receiving dogma from Mm -hmm. a place like that? If you guys read the reports... uh, in the news, you know, in England they did a survey and they really found that uh, the the book have created the illusion that the Catholic Church has been hiding the facts from people <coughs> and uh, created damage in the faith of the people. Is that a war, you know, raised uh, against the Church? Of course. Is this, in, you know, Dan Brown, is he the new Arius? Why not? If he's going to carry the same teaching and spread false prophets, you know, false teaching against the church. Why not? But this time it's easier. He's not going to be excommunicated because he's not already part of any church. So, he saved us uh, the economical council. And when they went up over the breadth of the earth and circled around the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. All right. Okay. A dollar for this tells me when did that happen before? Fire came down from from heaven and devoured the enemy of God. Okay, that's good, but I wasn't thinking about that. Battle armies, you know, two events actually. Okay, I'm glad I'm going to keep my money for myself. Elijah, remember, when he was, you know, sitting by himself, and uh, in 2 Kings one ten, uh, and the commander of the 50 came to him and told him, if you're the, you know, man of God, come down, and, uh, and Elijah answered and said to the commander of 50, if I am the man of God, then let fire come down from the heavens and burn up you and your fifty and there came down fire from the heavens and burned him and his fifty. It happened twice. to Elijah, Elijah was very mighty, very mighty. Okay. Isaiah, uh, remember when Jerusalem and Sanhary, you know, the Assyrian king surrounded Jerusalem. Um, also at that time, in you know, Isaiah and also in uh, Samuel. Then the angel of Jehovah came out and struck a hundred and eighty-five thousand in the camp of Assyria and they arose early in the morning and behold they were all dead corpses. hundred and eighty-five thousand dead in one night. So God is powerful and you know, God and Magog, if they think they're going to be you know strong and coming into the soil of the church, God is going to put an end to them. So as he said before the gates of hate shall not be strong against the church right? and the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone Uh, who was there uh, from the previous chapter, chapter 19 he was there before him the antichrist and the false prophet the beast and the false prophet where you cast into the fire and brimstone, so the devil and the antichrist and all these fun people are going to be together in hell. Okay, is there are different degrees of hell? We know they're going to be... St. Paul tells us there's a, a star differs than a star in glory and honor. So people are going to have different level in heaven. Right? Each one is going to be immensely enjoying heaven. But at different degrees. Right? Is it going to be the same thing in hell? I don't know. Whether he's going to be burning... At you know, 350 degrees or 400 degrees, it does not make that big of a difference. It's torture, torture.
1: I think that, I think that
0: Probably, yeah. right? But it's torture, torture anyway, right? Does it make a difference, you know, putting the stove at you know, 300 or 500 if you're burning the same thing? Mm-hmm.
1: Huh? Do you know uh, in which epistle St. Paul said that Christ
0: we can, we can find find that quickly. Right. <coughs> Into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet were.
1: Right.
0: That's the Antichrist and we said the false prophet is one who's going to probably relig- religiously that is going to propagate for him and uh, be uh, his ally. And he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's a very strong statement, tormented forever and ever. The big difference between sitting next to you know God on his throne, having thrones in heaven, all this wonderful, joyful, you know glorious thing, and being tormented forever. So I guess it's you know, in a way it's our choice. And I saw a great white throne. And him sitting on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and a place was not found for them. Again, the fathers look at this verse and they say, Wait a minute, when we saw the Lord in chapter 1 and in our other chapters, He was either, you know, with a tongue like a sword, fiery eyes, you know, um, His feet is like, you know, melted, you know, brass and fiery brass ready for action you know ready to destroy ready to fight on behalf of the church see well here as judgment has already been done all the church enemies have been cast into the you know hell so he's no longer appears with this image because there is no more need for him to defend the church and I saw the dead the small and the great stand before God and books were opened and another book was opened books does anybody remember a story about these books that were opened from the life of the saints get it closer The monk the black monk Saint yes, Moses the black Remember, when St. Moses the Black was confessing, what did he see? An angel with a black, you know, board, board, and he was erasing all the sins and becoming white. The sins are recorded in a book or in a board, and every time we confess our sins, they get erased. If we don't confess our sins, they kept there. So we might as well get them out. books
1: refer to the Gospels?
0: Okay. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. It can be. And some people that say that, you know, the book of life is the word of God and it's God's judgment. So, yes, we're going to be measured according to the Gospel. It can be. Okay. Could it be that, you know, everyone and his records and his deeds? Maybe. We don't know.
1: Uh, verse
0: 13, And the sea gave up the dead in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead in them. And each one of them was judged according to their works. What does that mean? Is the, you know, all those who drowned, will be spit up? Not... Not, not really. The 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 sea is the word, as we said that this is the symbolic interpretation throughout we've been you know doing throughout the, the last uh, few chapters, or throughout the whole book of Revelation. The sea is you know represents the word. So maybe this represents the time of the rapture at the you know second coming. We said the saints are going to be taken up to heaven. Those who are left in the world are going to be also taken and be judged according to their deeds and be thrown into hell and each and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire so how can death and hell be cast in the lake of fire? is it a physical thing? is it the person that's going to be taken and thrown into fire? Well the fathers look at this and say, Well, Christ said what? I am the, the truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's in John fourteen six. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So if Christ is life, so similarly Satan is death, and whoever follows Satan ends up to be dead, at least the first death. And then if he continues to follow him, they end up to be also getting into the second death. So Satan is represented as hell, as death himself. So and death were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And if anyone was not found, having been written in the book of life, he was cast into the lake of fire anyone who's not found having been written in the book of life go back and emphasize again this is indicates that there's no other way to heaven except through the Lord Jesus Christ uh, the book of life as we indicated earlier uh, our names are written in the book of life when we baptize and receive the Holy Spirit and that's why we find in uh, chapters you know, 2 and 3 Lord tells you about know, the churches You know, repent so I don't erase your name remove your name from the book of life so our names are already written in the book of life and if your name is not written in the book of life whether because it was never never written there or you erased it by your actions we're not going to go in there are two possibilities here it was never written there so I never believed in Christ Never accepted, you know, never baptized, never accepted the Lord as Savior and you know lived you know a true Christian life or after it was written, you know, your parents baptize you or whatever, and then you decided this is not the way for you and you know the way of the world is better, you erase your name. Okay. Any questions on this chapter? Totally lost, totally confused? Millennium rain. I will clear on the millennium rain.
1: Yeah.
0: This one? If we can make, probably you can make copies of the small sections. And glory be to God forever Amen.